we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. We know that the people who are dying from this from this uh, disease. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. You've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Wednesday, the 8th day of December, the year of our Lord, 2021. I am Johnny Anderson, alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you doing today? Healthy and alive, doing well. Minor uh, minor pain in the left arm, but that's usually due to oh, no. a 15-pound cat laying on my hand oh, no. throughout the day. So, Oh, I thought I, you I got... I figured that was fun. Okay. Fun I thought, for, I thought you, you know, got jabbed. You know, I, I thought, oh, you know, no. I thought yeah, you were worried no. about Omicron, so you oh, know, no. wanted to go out and take your full regimen, you know. Yeah, it was just just fun little tidbit of information because you know I know the listener probably hears the cat from time to time or me talking about them. Uh, which, to your point about being jabbed, it, yes, I've taken many jabs, but not of the COVID variety. Um, usually cat claws, but anyway, uh, you know the uh, housemates' cats are um, very lively. Mm -hmm. They like they like to play. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, as long as you didn't, as long as you didn't take one of those, uh, those awful, awful things that uh -uh. supposedly is going to, I mean, it's, it's going to protect you. And you know, you're going to have to take one of those every 90 days now. That's the new timeline is you're going to have to take one every 90 days. Why did they move up that timeline? Let me tell you why they moved up that timeline. Healthcare chief says Omicron may signal the end of COVID-19. Wait, what? Huh? I mean, yeah. that right there, I mean, that's that's hopes and dreams, of course. But uh, let, let's just be honest. They're not going to stop this anytime soon. They'll just throw another one at you. That's that's fine. But think about what they did. Let, let's just trace back what they did. And when I say they, I'm to be clear, I'm talking about the Western media establishments and the politicians and all these these bureaucrats and these morons. What they did was they cooked up a variant down in South Africa, something that they could pick somewhere that uh, that they had set up, that they had talked to the people that were involved, and they bought everybody off. You notice it was supposed to come out of um, where Botswana. Haven't heard a damn thing from Botswana, have you? Because they've bought off the entire government down there. That's why you haven't heard anything from it. But what did they do? What did all the surrounding countries do? South Africa and, and a few other countries that are around there, they're all coming out saying, wait a minute. Um, there's nothing going on down here. If there's anything that's going around, people are having mild headaches and uh, and some, uh, what did what, you say? It was like increased heart rate or something. That's it. Uh, yeah. Basically, when you run a fever, you have an increased uh, mm -hmm. heart rate um, yeah. and a little bit of fatigue as well. Yeah. So what they did is they tried the, the West, they jumped the gun here in the West and they tried to push that narrative so they could jumpstart their booster program for the winter because- Per the research from the University of Texas at Galveston, the bioresearch facility, what did it say? Heart attacks, stroke, organ failure, all the above, right? Now, look at the symptoms of Omicron. All that, isn't it? All the same. It all correlates. It all lines up. They're saying, oh, now see, that's all going to be this, this, uh, this new variant. No. I'll tell you what this is. This is the vaccine recipients that are now trending back down into the cold and flu season that now have compromised immune systems because they've lied to you. And now what's going to happen to them is exactly what the research shows. So in the meantime, well, if they can get you to line up for another one, you know, all the boosters that they've already paid for that are actually just more of the same. I don't even know why you're calling them a booster, to be honest with you. But see, the South African countries, the handful of them down there, not just South Africa, they torpedoed that agenda. They blew that agenda apart. They're all saying on social media and their mainstream media, saying, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? There's nothing going on down here. You, we don't have any people that, that have deaths. It, we're not having massive uh, hospitalizations. You know how many hospitalizations we have? None. None. Do you know how many cases of, uh, quote, Omicron we actually have? The answer is none. But yet the UK's got, what, 45,000 a day or something? And Europe as a whole has almost 5 million now? Where did it come from, if that's the case? Well, I thought it was from South Africa. Sir Desmond Swain, as much as I don't like the guy, was in Westminster the other night talking to Sajid Javid, asking him outright, how many people have been hospitalized with this new variant that we have, this Omicron variant? How many people have been hospitalized? And Javid freely said right there at the podium, well, uh, none. Okay, so why all the, why all the massive push? 
immediately when that agenda got destroyed before it even got started. Javid came out and made a made an emergency statement because of the new uh, well, it's just it, you know the the dire need uh, because of Omicron. We have to reduce the booster validity from six months to three months. His words, not mine. Six months to three months. So now your jabs are only valid for your freedom passes every 90 days. Then it will expire and you will be considered unvaccinated and you'll have to book your appointment and go line back up like a good little sheep and do what you're told to get your little treat. The CEO of South Africa's largest private healthcare network says that the Omicron variant is so mild that it may signal the end of COVID-19. I, I caught this this morning while I was drinking my morning coffee and, you know, just going through my routines. And this kind of this kind of threw me into the uh, the, com- the the comment that Marty made the other night, uh, the conversation we had with Ned about a week or so ago. Uh, well, actually, it's been a few weeks now, uh, not this last time he was on, but the one before that, about how the common cold will stop COVID dead in its tracks. This one would essentially do the same thing, would it not? Basically, what happens is this is more transmutable. So... Uh it will transmit more rapidly than the previous uh, Delta, meaning it will overtake it. And when people get this one, they gain immunity to the Delta. So as well as immunity to the one that they had and the Alpha and the Lambda and Mu and anyway, um, it uh, transmits and basically burns out the previous uh, renditions. So this one is more likely to spread quickly and then you get immunity and yeah, that'll effectively burn out the old and, and the next variant, if there is another one, uh, will be even milder than this one or it'll be about the same. What do you mean if, come on, Bruce, they've got 50 in the pipe lined up, ready to go. You know, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I meant if as in legitimate variant, like if the virus legitimately does mutate again, um, it'll be something that's even uh, more virulent, or excuse me, more transmittable, but less virulent. It'll have mm-hmm. less effects. So it'll be even. Yeah. It, keep in mind, the virus's goal in nature is to be as transmiss- transmissible as possible, but keep you from knowing you have it. The virus doesn't want you to know it's there so that it can freely transmit uh, amongst the population. We know Fauci's there. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I, did I say that? But well, I was going to say, we know he's there. You know, he's the man is a living virus. Uh, uh, yeah, a living parasite, yes. Yeah. According to Richard Freeland, chief executive officer of NetCare Limited, the early days of the variant would suggest that there is absolutely no need to panic and that might actually be a good thing. Yeah, that's a good, I need the, I need the Bernie clip of, that's a good thing. I, I just need that like on, on tap. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, the little, yeah, yeah. I'm quoting here. If in the second and third wave, we'd seen these levels of positivity to tests conducted, we would have seen very significant increases in hospital admissions. And we're not seeing that. In our primary care clinics, it is mainly people under 30 years old. So I actually think that there is a silver lining here, and this may signal the end of COVID-19, with it attenuating itself to such an extent that it is highly contagious, but doesn't cause severe disease. That's what happened with the Spanish flu. That's exactly what you just alluded to. We're seeing breakthrough infections of people who have been vaccinated, but the infections we're seeing are still very mild to moderate. So for healthcare workers who have had boosters, it's mostly mild. I think this whole thing has been poorly communicated and and so much more panic generated. That's how they like it. They need everybody in a constant state of perpetual fear because when you're in a state of fear, when you're when you're in fear of your life constantly, well then you're more manageable to social engineering, aren't you? Yes, you are. You're more susceptible to any type of suggestive thinking. Oh, yes, you are. Freeland's comments won't be welcomed by, uh, well, any of these countries, really, or any of the uh, uh, the, the manufacturers of this. Um, they continue to make uh, profits, and there's endless boosters on the way. So, yeah. But anyway, however, the CEO's statement correlates with what other health experts on the ground in South Africa have said about Omicron, which is exactly what they're saying. You know, it's it's pretty much mild. There's there's really nothing going on. But that's OK. That's OK. Even if they don't get you with this one. Well, then they're just going to throw another one at you. That's fine. Because what did the uh, World Health Organization guy say? Uh, he said, well, it's inevitable. We're going to go through the entire Greek alphabet. And then now we're looking at going after constellations of the stars. 
<laughs> naming the variants after the star constellation. Are you kidding me? Are, are you kidding me? How desperate? How desperate is that? But I honestly think that there's something bigger coming down the pipe. I really do believe that. I think there's something bigger coming down the pipe because they're in a lot of trouble. When I say they're in a lot of trouble, I mean, I'm not just talking politically here. I'm talking from a control standpoint. They're in a lot of trouble. The Austria situation has turned into an absolute disaster. That is a disaster down there. You've got now your, your second unelected government in 60 days. How on earth do you do damage control on that? And you've got the supposed, uh, whoever this guy is, uh, uh, Nehammer or whatever his name is, somebody that no one voted for, again, just like Schallenberg, who's in there, that says yesterday, oh, we want to open up a dialogue with the unvaccinated. No, Jack, there's no talking your way out of this. There is no talking your way out of this. The populace is angry. They are very angry. And they're not going to let up. And I don't expect them to let up. But do you know what they're doing now? Do you know what they're doing now? Austria. They say that they're planning to lift the lockdown only on the vaccinated. That's not a good way to start a dialogue. I don't care who you are. If you're looking to sit down and, and be sincere about starting a dialogue with somebody, that's probably not the first step you should make. Typically, when you sit down with somebody, which in this case, I don't know who you're going to sit down with, because every single person that you want to sit down with, that you're asking to sit down with, wants you arrested. Typically, when you sit down with someone that you have a disagreement with, that you want to find a common ground with, that you want to make a deal with, typically you have to offer something in return, just as a... Um, how, how do we say um, an act of good faith, if you will? This is not an act of good faith at all. In fact, it's the opposite of that. The unvaccinated will stay in lockdown when Austria lifts its wider general lockdown on Sunday. The uh, the new chancellor uh, that no one voted for confirmed on Tuesday, uh, which is uh, oddly enough, he just took office yesterday. So, hey, why not? Right. Let's just piss off those people some more. Austria went into lockdowns weeks ago uh, to counter a surge in daily COVID-19 infections to record levels while restaurants, bars, theaters and non-essential shops shut to all but takeaway businesses. Hotels are closed to tourists. Injections. Excuse me. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I think that's actually what it's supposed to say. Infections have plunged since, but intensive care bed occupancy is still rising. I, I think I actually I think my little slip there was actually correct. That's probably what they should have said. Injections have plunged, meaning people have stopped taking them. And there's uh, there's really no call to take a uh, to, to implement any kind of a booster program here. But this this thing right here, this line right here, this is out of the Associated Press where they said infections have plunged. But since intensive care bed occupancy is still rising, Bruce, you and I were watching a uh, video podcast presentation from Dr. Reiner Fulmisch, the German lawyer up in Berlin and his team. And we were looking at some data that they had compiled on the German hospital system. That was quite striking, wasn't it, sir? Yeah, it it, it was. And um, I, I, I want to point something out here. Uh, what you just read, it, it's the infections are plunging. That's what they're saying. But the hospital rate is still Rising. increasing. Yes, meaning, meaning. Huh. This is why I brought up the the, the German uh, the, the German presentation of the data that they examined. What did they do? What did they do? They were specifically looking at hospital data in the manners of intensive care beds, intensive care unit beds, ICU beds, because that's what we're hearing all about, right? All the ICU beds, all the ICUs are filling up. All they're filling up. Are they? Are they actually filling up? I don't know. You can't go in there and verify it, can you? Because you can't get onto an ICU ward unless you've got. Uh, a sick or dying family member in there. So they're not going to let you get in there. Even, so you can't, even then, even, uh, yeah, even then, not it's necessarily, very, yeah, oh yeah, you can only difficult. be in there for like an hour and you're usually waiting in the waiting room where you can see the person through a glass door for, I don't know, 30 seconds or whatever, but you can't go in there and verify it. That's why they're using that. That's exactly why they're using it. So what did they do? What did the German hospitals do? They simply changed the number of beds. That's all they did. They changed the number of beds and the financial incentives started rolling in. Where's this money coming from? Anybody asking that question? In the US, we were looking at was it like 40,000 for them to be put on a ventilator. Uh yeah, I think it was 43,000 for a ventilator. It was something 000. like it, it's something like 13 or 14,000 if you were just ad administered to the hospital and had covid and then it progressively went higher as as uh your uh symptoms worsened and then eventually when you were put on a ventilator, uh they would get uh, you know, in an amount. And then if you died in the hospital, they would also get an amount as well. 
And funny enough, we kind of had the we kind of had the suspicion that that's what they were doing here too. Well, in fact, they did. That's exactly what they did. Although the financial incentive was much higher. So, for example, what they would do, and we listened to how they put this together, how they were explaining this, uh, and this was put together by not only Dr. Fulmish and his team, but Wolfgang Wudarg, who was the head of the EU side of the World Health Organization, who was on his podcast at the time explaining this. So what they did, they had a set number of beds in the beginning. This is all the way back in, in 2019 and, and early 2020. They had a set number of beds, and then they just simply removed the beds. That's all they did. And then they removed the normal classification for patients being put into the ICU. So they changed that statistic. So now anybody that would go into a hospital, and we could clearly see the normal cases, we could see the, uh, what was it, the... Um, uh, the vaccinated patients, and then there was the uh, what was it the, uh, the the unvaccinated patients, or I don't know if the, uh, one of them yeah. was that was the vaccinated thing. I think that was one statistic we looked at, uh, and then mm-hmm. blue were just the the non-vaccinated, which that number was was always low. Same thing with the normal patients, but the vaccinated patients, boy, that was solid all across the line or all across the graph. But when they went into the hospital and they were transferred to the ICU unit, they received a financial incentive, and then if they put them on a ventilator in the ICU unit, they received 50,000 euros per patient. 50,000 euros. To give you an idea, that's almost $60,000 per patient. Where's this money coming from? You know, I I know doctors in Germany. I I know of doctors in Germany. They don't make a whole lot of money because it's a different it's a different healthcare system. The doctors in America, oh, they've got five, six houses and Mercedes-Benz cars and uh, you know, all kinds of toys and and fun and everything and they're usually taken I don't know, one, two calls a day, and that's about it. That's not the case in all doctors. I know some hardworking doctors in the US too. I mean, I'm not saying that's the, that's the case in all, that's the same in all cases. But anyway, here it's a little bit different. Here, doctors are making about the same amount of money as a normal working class person. So they're not, they're not making a whole bunch of money. I know a couple of doctors, a husband and a wife that just live around the corner from me. And they, they live okay, but you can tell that they don't have a whole bunch of money. They did the job because, and they're both retired now, but they did the job because they loved being uh, a help to people and healing people. That's what they wanted to do. But where's this money coming from? If these doctors are not making that kind of money, well, then obviously, then there's not that kind of money in the health system. Where's it coming from? I'd venture to say it's coming from the same place that it's coming from in the US and the UK and France and Italy and all these other places and the Netherlands and so on and so forth. And I bet if we start kicking rocks over, I wonder where it's going to lead. Actually, I know for sure in the US, some of it is um, it's simply the government, the taxpayer that's paying for everything. It was Medicare uh, that was paying for those, you know, $43,000 bills. You know, at one point they were also paying um, people uh, to, to go in and get tested and, and have positive, um, uh, test results. And then if you had a family member that passed away, but they didn't have COVID, you could, uh, for a little bonus, uh, have, uh, that family member listed as, as having died of COVID. Um, you know, it was like $10,000, I believe it was, uh, if your family member passed away with, uh, COVID. So, yeah. Australia, they were offering nine grand, I believe, as well. So they just started doing that. Did I tell you the bribes started over here? I did. I sent you a message. I told you about that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't see how it's going to work there. In in uh, Germany is similar in culture, but it's different enough when it comes. You don't have a big gambling culture down there, do you? Or 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 um, free stuff. Not no, not not particularly. No, there is a. Uh, you see those little. Uh, I want to say like little gambling hall casino things. I mean, there's like there's one of them here in town. I mean, I never I, I, obviously I don't gamble, so I don't go in those places. But uh, you can you can drive past those things or whatever. But it's not it's not on every street corner. And there's there's not adverts to gamble. There's not uh, any kind of like a uh, uh, big lottery ticket stuff. I mean, yeah, people some people play the scratch off lottery stuff, but it's few and far between. It's nothing like what it is in the U.S. Nothing like that. Well, and. Uh, that that's obviously um, for the for the uh, public to realize this is a gamble. They would have to be aware of what's going on. So that's probably not fair on my part uh, uh, attributing yeah, but- it to gambling because they would have to understand that you get vaccinated, you're gambling your life for some 
you know, a little bit of money. When you say a little bit of money, it's literally that. If you get jabbed, I'm not joking. This is, they started this last week because I, I seriously, if you're if you're offering this, then you know those numbers have dropped off long ago. If you're offering 150 euros, which is around 175 dollars, if you're offering 150 euros and a fr- <laughs> only in Germany would they do this and a free bratwurst, that's what you get for taking a jab. I mean, I I, I know you guys have good brats, but like, oh, on. they're amazing. They're amazing. Uh, come on, you're 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 gambling your life over a bratwurst and a hundred and seventy five dollars. Yeah. That's pathetic. That that is that is pathetic. I mean, that's that that's that's really what what the uh, what the level is over here. It's just it's laughable. But it, this isn't the only place. Italy has banned unvac the unvaccinated from public life because now they have introduced a super green pass. Oh, see the green. Pa- no, see the green pass. That wasn't good enough. No, that was that wasn't good enough. Now we need a super green pass. Uh, by the way, where, again, I'll ask the question: Where's Mario Draghi? Where Where is he? Where Where's he been? Has he made any public statements? I I haven't seen him. Have you? You would think he would be out there all over the international TV and everything else, promoting his wonderful agenda that the people just love. Where is it? Where Where is he? I haven't seen him at all. Italy's rolling out its super green pass today, barring the unvaccinated from a variety of events anonymities even if they have a negative COVID test. Yep, same as it is here. You're either jabbed or recovered, and recovered is being pulled. It's in the process of being pulled. Unvaccinated individuals are now barred from eating indoors at restaurants, attending sports events, concerts, theaters, and other public events, regardless of whether or not they have tested negative for, uh, let's just be honest what it is, the Chinese coronavirus. The new measures, as part of the implementation of the new Super Green Pass, which will further delineate between vaccinated and unvaccinated people in Italy... Those who have recently recovered from the virus will also be able to get the new pass, the paper says, until they pull it. Yeah, you watch. They'll pull that. Mandatory vaccination is also being expanded, according to a report, with the school staff, police, and those working in the military now will be forced to take the jab or risk their job from next week. Healthcare workers in the country are already subject to the requirement, which most of them have actually quit. Restrictions are also being rolled out to public transport with passengers needing to show a basic green pass, proving they're vaccinated against COVID, have recovered from the disease, or have tested negative within 72 hours of the ride. Uh, there was a video, just an old Italian woman that I saw today, who wanted to get on a bus, and the police were literally stopping her from getting on the bus because she didn't have COVID pass. How, how pathetic is this? How far have we fallen? Because it's just, is it, what, what, it's just some, some stupid political agenda? You know, if you're a police officer and you're enforcing this, I don't want to know you. I, I don't want to know you. I, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And you know something? I would publicly shame you for what you're doing to people if I knew who you were. I would shame you. Do you understand? Because you don't deserve any respect from anyone, quite frankly, because you're showing none. Police carry out spot checks on public transport to ensure that the new rules are being followed, with those found to be contravening the new restrictions facing fines of up to 1,000 euros. Italian media reports that the new Super Green Pass inspections have already started today, with a man witnessed getting off a bus in Rome and being found not to have a Green Pass by officers. He... Uh, he was, it is claimed, given a 400 euro fine. Yeah. Do you know what the man's crime was? He took a bus. That was his crime. He could have killed someone on the bus. You know, I, I, I don't understand. I really don't understand the Italians. I, 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 I don't understand I, I any do of not. European countries. I, I don't understand. The Italians, well, yes, because of Mussolini and fascism and everything. The Germans, Hitler, uh, fascism. I, I, what what, what but, in the hell I'm are we a, doing a, here? I'm a filthy American, though. the The only Italians that I'm exposed to here in America are mafia types, and uh, you know the ones that aren't mafia types. They're they're very, um, shall we say, bullish about their freedoms. How is it then that you have an entire populace of the same nationality of people just roll over and take it from the government? Honestly, I I don't I don't think that they are. I mean, you know the numbers in Italy. You've seen the numbers in Italy. I mean, they're not taking it, but they're being peaceful. I think that's the disconnect. Maybe that's it. That's the disconnect because we're expecting people to just, well, quite frankly, do what they usually do whenever something like this happens throughout history. That's what we're expecting people to do. But that's not what's happening at this point in time. And maybe it's my fault for only knowing of Italians as mafia types because I was expecting, you know, like kneecaps or something like that for the officer that was blocking the old grandma. Bruce, 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 Bruce. Why do you think the mafia types you're talking about, why do you think those wise guys, why do you think they went to America to get away (laughs) from Italy? Yeah, to get away from that. So that's that's why they went to America. So they could kneecap people in the U.S. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm being facetious, obviously, but... uh, 
the the point still stands. I'm I'm any people, as you said, um, we expected them to resist a little bit more because your 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 lives are being taken away from you. And again, I think they are resisting, but this is being done in a peaceful manner. This is different. I mean, you had the Germans out in force protesting over the weekend. Can't fault them for that. Same thing with the French, same thing with the Italians, of course, uh, the Austrians naturally. But we're looking at this as in, okay, you're going down to these government buildings, you're you're, bl- you're blowing through these police lines. But I will say one thing, and, and I, I respect the people that are out there that are doing that. I, I, I understand why they're doing it. Absolutely. I mean, that, that kind of thing has to happen. But but here's the problem. Here's the problem I have. Maybe we can have this, 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 uh, this discussion because I'm looking at all this stuff. I mean, you and I are going through hours and hours and hours of this video footage, and there's just there's so much that's going on that we just we can't we don't have the time to sit here and talk about all of it. Just in the protest movement across uh, the EU and across Australia and things like that. I'm not against any of what's happening out there. I, I'm not against any of that. That is very healthy. That is for that is very healthy for democracy and wanting democratic rule on the other side of this thing. So that has to happen because that shows that people are willing to do what it takes in order to fight for some inkling of freedom. So I respect it. My problem is, is that we're two years into this now. Two things. One, they're not listening. So if the governments are not listening, then that means you need to, in turn, by logical decree, you have to raise your voice. Now, does that mean get violent? No, I've never advocated for violence and I never will. But raising your voice at a protest doesn't mean let's set up concert stages and sing songs. This is my problem. This is my problem. I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing people that are out there and they're 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 dancing and they're singing on stage. We're, we're protesting the government and we've got stages with stage lights and and monitors and, and, and microphones and all kinds of stuff set up. OK, you want somebody to go up there and give a good speech. Fine. But what are we actually doing? And I, and I legitimately mean that. What are we doing? What are we doing to make a statement? Because everything we've done up to this point is not working. You think some mariachi band out there is going to be paid attention to? Something needs to happen to get their attention is my point. And nothing is working. Nothing at all. Because they're showing no signs of stopping. In fact, they're doubling down, just as they always do. So this whole thing of um, we're setting up disco lights and, and, and got fog machines and everything up there, uh, spitting out some fog and everybody's cheering and clapping to the music or whatever. What are we even saying? What, what are we saying? What, what, what are we even doing? Why are we not shutting down traffic or something? Hell, the Aussies at least did that, right? You saw what the mainstream media did. You saw what the tradies did down there. They shut down traffic through two, th- two three, four freeways. That got the international press's attention. And of course, you saw the spin piece that they did. The, you know, the spin doctors got a hold of that. Oh, look at these, look at these, uh, uh, look at these drunk people out here uh, stopping traffic that are endangering people's lives. And then you've got the highly trained tactical police that come in to deal with them. <laughs> you see, when you hear that type of propaganda, my point is, is that that gets their attention. If they demonize you, that is to be taken as a badge of honor. You double down on what you're intending to make a statement about. We're going out there and we're singing and dancing and they're locking you down harder. You're not getting their attention is my point. As we've been saying, you know, opening your businesses, if you're a business owner, skirting these uh, restrictions and whatnot. If you're in the U.S., uh, especially, uh, technically, you have the Constitution on your side for the federal mandates. So basically, the Constitution is negative liberties. Anything that's listed in the Constitution that the federal government has power of, the federal government has power of. But anything that's not listed in the Constitution, giving the federal government powers, that goes to the state. So technically speaking, the state could do a vaccine mandate at the state level. Obviously, you can argue that in court and blah, blah, blah. But my point is, um, (laughs) you should be fighting this hard when it comes to the federal mandates, which they have an injunction now and it's been paused, but it should have never have come to that point. We should have been fighting the the masks and those mandates from the very beginning, just from the perspective of freedom and liberty. The, the federal government can't mandate that legally by the Constitution, um, let alone going off the the efficacy of the masks. Um, we have over 400 studies now that show masks don't do anything for curbing uh, the spread of COVID-19 or really any virus. Um, that said, um, keep in mind the entirety, okay, when, I, when the virus we're talking about is so small the entirety of the virus right now on on the planet Earth, right? From previous infections to current infections, all the virus can be fit into one Coke can. That's that's how much space the virus takes up. Just 
keep that in mind. Um, you know, all those millions of cases and all of that. Yeah, one Coke can. Anyway, so state levels, have you fixed your electoral problems? I was only uh, made recently, uh, recently aware that here in uh, Oklahoma, that the, uh, we have uh, voter ID laws now that that passed. It was on the docket um, in November and it passed. Uh, I didn't realize it had passed. So now every voter is required to have a voter ID match their voter registration. So you can't, um, it's going to be much harder to, to skirt the system here. What other states have been doing that? What other states have done that? Um, so now if you go in and vote and you think, uh, okay, we'll vote, we'll vote out the politician and we'll replace them, get some good people in place and whatnot, which there's an argument to be had. You're in this position because of voting. So you're going to vote yourselves out of it. I mean, okay. Um, but as we said, November, uh, it, there was a lot of, um, irregularities going on so it, it it could easily be that they've been cheating so yeah i, 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 don't, I don't know i'm 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 torn on what to do because open your businesses and go for it well if your state is a blue state and they want to do the the mandates and everything they can go after you and really you don't have a constitutional precedent on your side uh in in, in legal proceedings uh, and then you 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 have the voting situation. If you want to vote them out and vote someone else in, well, if your state hasn't done the voter ID system or or ensured the security of your voting system, which is that's the very baseline is the voter ID. Um, you're not sure if you're going to be able to vote people out and vote new ones in. I don't know. I'm unclear on w what to do moving forward, and that is um, that's concerning because when you you you're you're kind of we're being backed in a corner and I'm concerned about being backed in a corner because that's when you start having people lash out. Lashing out at this point is bad. I think both are backed into a corner. If you want my honest opinion, I think the elites are backed into a corner. That's why you're seeing them go insane, you know, more insane than what they actually are. They're backed into a corner. And now the populace is being backed into a corner. We don't have a whole lot of options here. I mean, they're slowly removing everything that you thought was an option. You know, the ones that have been duped into that. You thought, oh, I'm just going to do this and this is going to get back to, uh-uh. No, no, no. You can forget all that stuff. We told you that from day one. If you conform, nothing changes. It gets worse. We told you that from day one and we stand by it. Obviously, we're here now so everyone can see it. And if you can't see it by this point, I can't help you. But that's okay because you're getting your news from from Facebook. You're getting your news from uh, CNN and, and and all these uh, the, these joke outlets, right? Fa you know what Facebook? Is? Facebook is a dying entity, is what it is. That's what Facebook is. Facebook, if it was left to its own demise, would actually have these were by this by by the actual numbers of active users would actually have more dead people on it than living people by the year was it 2025? I think it was 2025. Yeah. 20, yeah. yeah. To be fair, though, Facebook is technically already dead because now it's metaverse. True. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's true. And quite frankly, I think it's just going to further its collapse because no one wants to wear some clunky piece of garbage on their head. The the generations coming up behind you do. I, I have to right. push back on that. Oh, okay. All but right. yeah, there's many in our generation that do uh, and have been <laughs> they, they, they've been stuck in that universe for months on end. Um, and the only reason they come out is to eat and bathe. That's crazy, man. That That is no, no, I, I can't do it, man. Uh, there, there's too much going on in reality. Yeah, but but you're the the thing is, is you're someone that's been out and explored the world. You've gone out and done something. Yeah. Many of these are getting stuck in a dead end job or the only thing they see is things like uh, climate change is going to kill us all or we're going to die because of a virus or those uh -huh. kind of things. So yeah. their world perspective is bleak. So why not go to something like this? Take a jab and exist and exist in uh, Mark Zuckerberg's. Why, why didn't they just call it Zuckerverse? Why, why didn't you just call it that or Gatesverse or whatever? I, I don't know. Why, why didn't they just call it that? I don't know why they call it Metaverse. It, 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 it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know who these PR yeah, people are. They're just they're terrible. These these marketing and these PR people, whoever Zuckerberg has for his PR person, fire that person, fire that person immediately under no circumstances. Should he have been the one out there promoting that? Because he's just god awful. He's just terrible to even look at. Well, on top of that, they should have taken some some hints from Elon Musk and yep. his um the series of cars that he makes. You know the S3X. If you're familiar with Elite Speak, that spells sex. 
mm-hmm. I mean, he's everything that he does is full of memes and cultural stuff. Why don't companies jump on board with that? You're trying to target the younger generation with this stuff. Why not talk their own language? And that's what he's done. And he's actually loved for it. And to be fair, I, I find it hilarious that we have a billionaire that's doing these kind of jokes, these these silly things. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's hilarious. And I listened to some of the interviews of him talking about like SpaceX and all of that. And typically in, in the um, rocketry industry, they use certain measurements uh, for thrust. And as a layman, you're like, okay, so it has X amount of thrust. That means nothing to me. So he literally craps on that whole system that the like NASA and the science community uses. He's like, why, why are you using that? Why don't you just put tons or, or, you know, pounds of thrust per ton or something like that. And, and so all of his, all of his rocket engines and everything, like he talks about it's um, so many pounds of thrust per ton or, or whatever, or tons of thrust per pound or whatever it is. I don't remember mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the numbers, but anyway, it's just, it, it's fun. Why doesn't he do something that's entertaining fun well he made a tesla whistle uh, who made it the are we he did still talking cyber, about he made a Zuckerberg. cyber whistle no he made it yeah no uh, we're talking about musk uh-huh. he made a cyber whistle didn't you hear about it N- no well okay yeah, but he's the one that's being funny and culturally yeah you know so you know what he did uh-huh. you know this this whole uh this apple cloth thing that's like 20 bucks or whatever you know to wipe your phone down have you heard about this so apple's oh, selling you a, uh, a cloth hmm. for 20 bucks 20 dollars to, to wipe your phone down right is it, because, is it like microfiber or something? I or guess. Or, and it's got an I Apple mean, logo on it. So, I mean, it's, you know, uh, $20. Uh. Musk put out a thing and he said, okay, why would you spend $20 on an Apple cloth when you could buy a cyber whistle for 50 And it was in the shape of the, uh, the cyber truck. As soon as he did that and it was put up on their website, on Tesla's website, the thing was sold out. Back order. I, I would have done something like... Um Blue Origin rocket whistle. <laughs> you know, it, it does have a does have a familiar shape. You know, I, I have to say it, it does. It's, it it's does. Got a familiar yes. shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does I, make feminists I angry. I can't quite place it. I, I don't I don't know why I can't I can't quite place what it looks like, but it reminds me of something when I see it. Uh, I have a clip here of uh, Elon Musk talking about the government. You know, at a certain point, really, what you're doing is capital allocation. So you're not it's not money for personal expenditures it's it, what you're doing is, is capital allocation and it does not make sense to take uh the the job of capital allocation away from people who have demonstrated great skill in capital allocation and give it to uh you know an entity that has demonstrated very poor skill in in capital allocation which is the government uh, i mean you can think of the government essentially uh, as a corporation in the limit uh, it, it is it is a the government is simply the biggest corporation with a monopoly on violence and with and where you have no recourse. Can so how much money do you want to give part? that entity? And the host has the audacity to ask him, okay, explain that. Uh lady, it's pretty clear. Who's allowed to have a military and who's allowed to use it? Only the government. Who's allowed to have nuclear weapons? Who's allowed to have aircraft, tanks, those kind of things? Who's allowed to spin yeah. you into oblivion, like he's talking about? Who's allowed to break your supply chain? Who's allowed to run your store shelves dry? Who's allowed to shut down your business? Who's allowed to tell you where you can go, when you can go there, and how long you can be there? And they're not even allowed to do those things. No. We allow them to do those things. Uh-huh. You know, see, I, I think I, I think that, uh, that that's been the biggest misconception by these, uh, these sellout politicians, is that right there, is, you see, they have simply forgotten who they're working for. All you politicians, I don't care what country you're in, right? If you're in, if you're in a Western country, understand something. You turned your back on your bosses. And by that, I mean, we the people, we're your bosses. I don't care who Klaus Schwab and company are. The fact is, is that when we finally put you in handcuffs where you rightfully belong, we're not going for you. We want your bosses. That's who we're after. I don't care about, oh, I'm compromised. You know, I, I, I've, I, they, they've got this dirt on me. They got that dirt on me. That's your problem. That is your problem. That is your responsibility. If you're a compromised, degenerate individual like those cokeheads in Westminster that are snorting coke off the, uh, off the toilet floors... That's your problem. All right, let's spend the last few minutes here talking about this. Pfizer has got a new board member, uh, Dr. Susan Desmond Hellman. Now, I know that that name doesn't really ring a bell or anything, but her previous job that she just left might have just a tiny little bit of a conflict of interest. And she previously served as the lead independent director at Facebook. 
well, we're just we're, we're just putting uh, people from social media companies on boards of pharmaceutical companies because they have so much knowledge about that. That's that's kind of like that's kind of like Mark Zuckerberg hiring a woman named Danielle Anderson, no relation, to be the lead Facebook fact checker on COVID-19 misinformation. And she literally ran the experiments at the Wuhan lab. You couldn't make the magnitude of this up. Sounds like there's quite a few companies and politicians that are uh, uh, compromised in all of this. I'm really wondering how deep this goes. Uh, and you've noticed as well, the mainstream media hasn't really been talking much about uh, Ghislaine. No, it's been kept kind of quiet. Hellman was appointed to the social media platforms board in March of 2013 and served as lead independent director from June 2015 until June 20 or excuse me from June 2015 until October 30 20, uh, 2019 shortly before the first reported case of COVID-19. Mark Zuckerberg, who is the founder of and CEO of Facebook, of course, said that Sue has been a wonderful and thoughtful voice on the board for six years, and I'm personally grateful to her for everything she has done for this company. That was, you know, in response to her departure. You know, she was leaving the company at that point. I remain positive about Facebook and the mission to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. Facebook shareholders require a board of directors that is fully engaged and committed to address the critical issues confronting Facebook at this time. By the way, that was that was a statement right there that was made by Hellman, you know, the, the, the woman, uh, what, what's her name? Susan uh, Desmond Hellman. She explained that uh, in reference to her role as, I, I know this might come as a shock too, but uh, she was the uh, the CEO of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation as well. So, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm sure that it, it, certainly there, there can't be any conflict of interest. She's now on Pfizer's board. She was the lead independent director for Facebook, and she was also the CEO of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for a while. Yeah. Unfortunately, increasing demands from my CEO role, my extended family, and my own health make it no longer possible for me to commit the necessary time and energy required to properly serve Facebook and its shareholders. Now, she added that in a public statement. Of course, she joined the Pfizer board shortly after that. Amidst Hellman's tenure on the Pfizer board, Facebook has initiated campaigns to censor COVID-19 vaccine skeptics as leaked internal documents from the company reveal algorithms aimed at drastically reducing user exposure to vaccine hesitancy in comments. The 15-page document titled Vaccine Hesitancy, Hesitancy Comment Demotion summarizes its goal as reducing the visibility of these comments represents another significant opportunity for us to remove barriers to vaccination that users on the platform may potentially encounter. Potentially presenting another conflict of interest, Hellman also serves on President Joe Biden's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology, which is described by the White House as the, quote, sole body of external advisors charged with making science, technology, and innovation policy recommendations to the president. That article is out of the National Pulse. Raheem Kassam, Natalie Winters, again, fantastic job. Great research. I don't think the average person cares or, no, or they don't. is, ah, forgive me for saying it this way, but is capable of putting those... Uh, two, well, three things together. I don't, I don't think they could connect the dots. Four, actually. And I don't. Four. You got well, Pfizer, four. you got well. Facebook, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and she's also on Biden's oh, Council yeah, of yeah. Advisors on Science and Technology. Council. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't say I'd see I could even connect the dots there. Obviously, I, I, I miscounted. So it, expecting the average person to pay attention to these things and and National Pulse is also considered an alt right media and has been, you know, uh, lambasted by uh, the mainstream media because they're actually doing journalism, whereas the mainstream media is um, shoveling bovine excrement and trying to feed it to you. I'm having difficulty. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've heard arguments here recently that basically we're in this situation because of the voting populace. Uh, we've gone down this road because of the voting populace. And now we're expecting that same populace to vote us out of it. But part of me is is hopeful that we're where the people are waking up and, and you know, we're going to get out of this. Um, but the other part of me is going, we're in this situation because of the same people we're hoping are becoming awake. Yeah, the conformists. Yeah. We're, we're in the situation because people keep conforming. That's the problem. And I don't think it's going to work. And, and by that, I mean, I don't think that vote like you can't vote your way out of this. There's no way to vote your way out of this. That's not going to happen. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. There's two reasons. One for what you just said, right? So that that group of people, the conforming ones, that's what the first and foremost, that's why you're not going to vote your way out of it. Second, the second thing to reinforce that is 
we haven't fixed the voting problems in any of these countries. We haven't fixed the voting irregularities. We haven't fixed the mail-in voting because every time, every time that there's an election, they're going to scream, oh my God, there's, there's COVID everywhere. We've got to have mail-in voting because we can't have people congregating. We've got to lock everything down. And they're going to steal it every time. They have a system in place that cannot lose at all. And that's the problem. Who are you going to vote in? Exactly. Who are you going to vote in? Here, in the, here in the U.S., um, you, you have a two-party system. If the Republicans jump on board with your candidate, that means they're probably compromised and they're probably not going to be uh, worth a hoot. I mean, they'll they'll go in and say, yeah, I'm going to be tough on this and I'm going to be tough on that and we'll get the you know, business going again and we'll lower taxes and then they get in and it's just a circle jerk, just, just like every other one. Um, you have a handful that are up there that get lambasted over and over and over again in the media because they're so grounded. They're so rooted in their beliefs, but that's few and far between. That's why the media is able to target those individuals because there's so few of them. There should be so many that are grounded in those basic principles that the media can't pick out a good target because there's so many of them. And then on top of that, if it's not bad enough in America where you've got a two-party system, you come to the European side of things where you've got 20 or 30 parties, they're all controlled opposition. So who are you going to vote in over here? And the ones you think you voted in were voted in and then within a month they get replaced by someone else that the party themselves votes for and not you. So, And then when the people don't like them, then they end up getting replaced anyway or they get replaced because of some whatever. And it just it's a mess uh, as, as an American observing uh, everything that's going on over there. Uh, it. it and yeah, it's I'm glad a, it, we have they, our system have, even as broken as it is. They have fumbled around this entire thing over here. And it's just like they, they've made a mockery of, of everything that what, you know, an elected democratic society is supposed to be uh, is, look, we've we've put ourselves for the sake of not sounding like Joe Biden. Uh, look, look, we've put ourselves in a situation where we have tried to not just federalize our societies, we've tried to internationalize our society. These global uh, elitists, if you want to call it, you know, I call them losers and degenerates because that's exactly what they are. They're, they're the scum of the earth. The rot rises to the top. And that's what these people are. They are, they are a bad case of rot. They're a bad case of cancer, uh, cancer on humanity, and they need to be removed. We need emergency triage surgery post haste or we're not going to make it. But these societies, we've tried to internationalize them. Internationalization is what has gotten us in this mess. We need to get back to the basics. We have to get back to local politics. It has to be that way. You have to govern from the local level. It has to be from the bottom up, not the top down. Top down doesn't work. The last two years should tell you that at least. Bottom up, it has to be the locales dealing with their businesses, dealing with their communities, dealing with their education systems, dealing with their churches, their homes, their lives. It can't be any other way. We've tried the way of the left. We've tried the way of the far right, if you even want to call it that. And it doesn't work. Totalitarianism does not work work. The 20th century, the 20th century in and of itself, if it proved anything to the world, it was that collectivism was a failure. And now we're going to try it again. Oh, because we didn't do it right. We didn't do it correctly. They're just trying to do it another way now. That's all. You see, they've never been able to do this before, but they opened Pandora's box with the smart technology, if you want to call it that, smartphones. And now they've been able to connect the world and they've been able to alter people's perception after they've created an atmosphere of mass hysteria. So quick question on... Um how long ago was it World War II happened? About 80 years, right? Yeah. And by the way, uh, today on uh, Pearl Harbor, I believe, I believe it's today, December 7th, 1941. No, the, the, the day we're recording. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, obviously it's about tomorrow. Listener. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So uh, the reason I'm pointing that out is a generation is 40 years. Okay. Typically, what ends up happening in 40-year cycles is what what's called a, a me-we uh, generation. So you've got the me generation, which are typically selfish, they're more about the individual. Uh, and then you have the we generation, which is more about the collective. Um, the last we generation was 80 years ago. And you see what the we generation brought us. Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, all these dictators that we talk about, that's where they came from, was the, the we generation. We're in a we generation again. 40 years ago, do you know of the me generation spawned something i guess kind of culturally equally as bad that's when you had like the the 60s uh you know 60s 70s 80s you know kind of that uh 
well, perversion, we'll call it. But on on a large scale, it wasn't mass murder, except for abortion. It wasn't mass murder of of populations by government or uh, any of those kind of things that typically wasn't going on. You didn't have some dictator come to power and say, we have to wipe out a a select group. We're we're back in a we generation again, which consequently means there's also the hero generation, just like our grandfathers, they they fought in World War II. We we have a generation that that will resist the the we tendency as well. I, I just find it interesting that we're following the same paths that we've seen 80 years ago. Uh, we're laying down the same foundations, separating into multiple groups, you know, two groups, vaccinated, unvaccinated. Uh, we're we're uh, becoming tribal in our politics. That we're we're trying to take all the all the all the people that are unvaccinated in in countries like Australia. You're being thrown into an internment camp for being unvaccinated. I don't know. It just uh, kind of it it kind of. We're not, I'm not saying we're, we're to the point of we're throwing people into gas chambers. You know, we're, we're, the, the problem is, is we're on the same road to that. We're on the same road. Why are we even on the road to that is my question. Because of conformists. Conforming. I, I actually think conforming to a degree is actually beneficial to society in a sense. Um, I, I'll give you an example as a Christian. Uh, I, I think it's Paul that talks about it. The, the meat sacrificed to idols. and. Literally, he says, we know that meat sacrificed to idols is nothing. It, it, it's no right. But if your fellow Christian is offended by that or it will, it, they, they think it's sin, it's sin to them even to, uh, they think it's wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols. And in their presence, you conform to them and you don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. But when you're not around them, you don't, you, you, you know, you know, it's nothing. It's fine. Right. That's just an example of are okay with drinking alcohol, but you're uh, you you know someone that's an alcoholic, and it, it it would be a temptation for that person. You don't drink around them. I mean, so there there is a level of con- uh, conforming that I think is good, but to the degree we're seeing now, this is no, this isn't good. You know, we were supposed to do an abbreviated podcast today, but uh, unfortunately, we didn't do that. But we are way over on time, so we are going to have to go. So I want to thank you for being here today, Bruce. I want to thank all of the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening.